and we're back with it on crossing state lines. Dave, the NBA, what is there to say? It's back. It's back in full force. I'm not incredibly excited for it, but I'm sure I will after I watch the first Celtics game tomorrow. Or, well, when people are listening to this, I'm not sure when tomorrow will be. But the Celtics are coming back on Friday. So I'm excited for that. What about you, Dave? I was honestly getting to the point where I was going to watch some kids down the street like at a like a two-on-two game, just like for fun, like pick up and just like watch them. Even though they can't, they're like 10 years old, they can't even score yet. <laughs> I was like so ready to just watch any meaningful sport, anything. Like I'll, I'll watch anything. Like if people are going to drag race down the street in bicycles, like I'd, I'd watch that too. Wow, Dave, Dave uh, supporting drag racing. Wow, illegal activities. And Dave is all in favor of it. Driving fast I don't around. Condone it, but I don't condone it, but if it's out there, I'm going to watch Driving it. fast around neighborhood roads, endangering people. We see it. We see what you're Allegedly. In, we see what you're in favor of, Dave. We see what you're Driving in favor of. Driving fast around We're also joined for our uh, – we're calling it an NBA preview, but that's not really accurate because the season's already underway. It was just suspended because of the coronavirus pandemic, but – I guess preview is the best way to put it. Uh, but we are joined by Brandon Maxwell, our frequent guest. Brandon, welcome back. Hello again. Thank you for having me. And Colin Howarth, our now second-time guest on the show. Welcome in, Colin. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. Long-time long listener, second time on the show. Could not even get through with a straight face the second time we did that. Goosebumps. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Colin is, sh- I- Colin is shaking right now for all the people. Who- a lot of people don't know he actually paid like four hundred dollars to be here. Right now. I didn't. I told him it was free, and he just Venmo me four hundred dollars. And I was like, "Well, this is. I mean, this might be the first you're hearing of this, Dave. But I promise you, you'll get your." <laughs> I feel like I feel like at least twenty dollars of that is mine. Then at, at least twenty, at least twenty one dollars and five cents is yours. I think like thirty five dollars is for you. We please. will we will get you your thirty two dollars. I was point. settling for fifteen, so you got jokes on you guys. Yeah, you you will get your fourteen dollars at some point. Anyway, uh, so we're gonna just kind of dive into it's kind of more of a random potpourri NBA preview type stuff. So we'll kind of just look at the standings. And uh, so I'll start with, so the NBA has been on hiatus now for, I think it's a little over four months. So I'll start with asking you guys, what team do you think benefited the most from this, from this layoff? Because obviously you could say the Celtics with Kemba Walker getting healthy, but what are some teams that come to mind for you? Um, we could start with you, Colin, that kind of really spring to mind when it comes to teams that were helped by this kind of this break to get healthy or to get kind of back into a groove or they were on a slump, whatever you think. Um, I think the, I think the Bucks didn't finish the season too well uh, to regather themselves. I'm sure Giannis has been working like crazy this uh, the last few months, so I would imagine they're in good shape. I would imagine. Um, I think it's more of which teams benefited the least, and you know who hasn't been working out and who has. Uh, I feel like Harden and Westbrook look incredible in uh, some of these exhibition games. Um, Trailblazers got Nurkic back because of this, because the season was extended. Um, and and a lot of teams, I, I just have no idea what they've been doing for the last few months. So I don't know what the Celtics are going to look like, what kind of shape they're in, really, um, or the Heat, for that matter. What about you, Brian? Um, off the top, I agree with Colin with the Blazers because they got Nurkic back. They also got Zach Collins back, so... They got two, honestly, really good big men. Guys who aren't necessarily all-star quality, but Nurkic at least is a step below, and I think Zach Collins is uh, the type of player, if he's not there yet, he can get there pretty soon. Um, and I also think the Lakers benefited a ton from this, too, just because, um, you know, obviously LeBron playing 17 years worth of basketball, but also a guy like Anthony Davis, too, where he never really gets significant injuries, but he always has small injuries, always, every single year. And it's weird because even in the bubble, he got, like, hit in the eye. So he's got to wear goggles right now. He's, he's got an eye injury he's dealing with. So even the bubble didn't necessarily escape them from that. But I think still, you know, anytime LeBron James has a four-month break in between the middle of the season, like, that's that's going to be killer. He's, he's going to be just – it'll take a few games for him to get into it, but he's going to be just fresh getting into, into the playoffs. Um, and I also do think the Celtics um, benefited from this just considering Kemba's knee – They've had a lot of nagging injuries throughout the entire year. Guys who were um, had small injuries to deal with. I know Jalen Brown had something with his knee that was tweaked. Jay, uh, Jason Tatum, I think, had like a back issue. Marcus Smart was out for a little bit. Um, pretty much the entire rotation. So I think mainly teams that have been injured have some injury history. But if I had to pick two off the top, 
I think uh, by far the Blazers and the Lakers above anyone else. Yeah, I mean, I would say there's a bunch of teams like the Clippers got to rest Kawhi and Paul George were beat up. Um, you, you guys said the, the Blazers are obvious. Um, the Pelicans were beat up. They had a lot of injuries. And um, the Sixers, Ben Simmons was really hurt before the break. He was going to miss a couple months. He was going to miss a month, and now he's healthy again. So there's a lot of teams that certainly are in better shape now. And I, I think as long as everyone came back, I think everyone's mostly in better shape because they're all rested. So for me, as much as it pains me to say it because I, I hate the team, I feel like Philadelphia really gets – a lot of help out of this because they were pretty banged up overall so getting Simmons and Bede and everybody kind of healthy and starting from scratch a little bit here that's going to benefit them a lot um like I said the Celtics definitely benefit getting Kemba healthy uh as for a team I think is going to be adversely affected uh Oklahoma City was on a really really good run there pretty much the whole season and then that just got stopped right in its tracks so they might be a team where I look at and I'm like, well, if that momentum is stopped, halted, that's pretty much that was what was helping them the most the whole year. And they've got some really good players there. I just don't know if they're going to be able to get back into that swing. So I could see OKC as one of those teams that's that's most impacted by it. Um, I agree with Portland. Uh, Portland is, is definitely on the outside looking in because it's going to take a lot of work for them to get into the playoffs, but having Nurkic will, will definitely help that. Um this really has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but I can't believe they even allowed the Wizards to come to Orlando. Because they kind of have to. <laughs> I mean, you you kind of have to, but they're five and a half games out, and how many how many games are they playing? Like eight. Yeah, and I think the reason that, the only reason they invited them is because they didn't want to have only eight Eastern Conference teams and like twelve Western. Um, so that was literally the only reason the Wizards were added. So they made it that teams were that were within six games, so conveniently half a game of where they were had a shot at making the playoffs. And now none of their dudes are coming. Yeah. So we'll start with you this time, uh, Dave. So obviously, because there was a four-month hiatus, a lot of these guys could go get healthy, could kind of recuperate. So on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the lowest, 10 being the highest, how legitimately will you view this championship? I mean, I think it's... I mean, I think there's two sides to look at it. Like, one is... It's not legitimate because it wasn't like an actual like regular format. It wasn't continued throughout the year. But then the other one to me is like this is the most unique circumstance. So only like it's going to take a really good team to win because you're not going to have as much practice time. There's going to be a lot of games stacked on top of each other. And everyone's playing a neutral game. Like there's no fan advantage. There's no like no in the locker room. Everyone's going to have the same advantage with that. So I think it's it's unique to me. I don't think. It's going to be an asterisk just because it's a unique, like, circumstance here with the virus and people being not in, you know, Avery Bradley's not in the Lakers right now. There's people that are going to get sick probably. Um, so, I mean, I think there will be certainly an asterisk on it, but I don't know if I'd really say that there should be, the champion should be treated any differently. All right. Yeah. I, I think pros and cons to, to both sides. I personally don't think it'll be a tainted season just because for every negative, you could find an opposite that would, would put the team that wins the championship to a higher light. So just like you could say, hey, there's only 22 teams, you could also say, yeah, but all the bad teams are gone, so every team's only playing other good teams. You could say, hey, there are no fans, which takes away the hype, but that might also make it easier for some players to navigate just because you consider playing a game in front of 18,000 screaming people that adds an extra level of pressure, difficulty, what have you. So, again, I think for every one reaction, there's an opposite to it that negates it. So at the end of the day, um, I do think it's a really weird season. I do think that people are going to remember it as such. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily put an asterisk. And I think basketball also, they made it through. Basketball and hockey, they made it through enough of their seasons where it's legitimate at this point. Like baseball, for example, like I don't I, I, I don't even think this season like really counts. But basketball, I think that's a that's a legitimate season. I think there's a thousand percent an asterisk. I think asterisks were made for things like this. So that you can say that like I mean, it's not gonna change how much I enjoy. I think this is gonna be so fun to watch and the circumstances are great, I think, to like as a fan to watch. But I think when we're looking back, even if the Celtics end up putting up a banner, there's definitely gonna be an asterisk. I think there should be an asterisk on the banner. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree, and I, I actually, I, I like where you guys are coming from, um, Brandon and Dave, when you talk about, you know, like, yes, these are unique circumstances, but everybody is enduring them, everybody's going through them, but also, I really like what you said there, Colin, where it's like, I'm, I'm going to enjoy it, but at the end of the day, there's going to be an asterisk on this, whether you, whether people like it or not, and, you know, if the Lakers win it, it's going to be an asterisk, if the Clippers win it, if the Rockets win it, the Celtics, the Sixers, the Raptors, the Bucks, whoever wins it, it sucks because some of those teams were already on their way to a championship anyway, but at the end of the day, it's it's just such a unique set of circumstances that, like Colin said, asterisks were like made for situations like this in sports. Like this is one of those trophies where it's you look on Wikipedia, there'll probably be a little note where it's like season put on hiatus for four months for a coronavirus pandemic. That's fair, but I think. Do you guys think the asterisk? Do you look at the asterisk as just notifying something significant, or do you look at the asterisk as saying this is less significant, like how people want like ML players who took steroids to have their home numbers to have an asterisk on it? So I think that might be where we differ because obviously it's weird circumstances, and you'd want to have this under normal circumstances, even if it didn't mean having you know eight shitty teams playing as well. But you know, I think that, like I said, all things considered, I think it still ends up being pretty legit. Also, that all the good teams are still. I think my perspective on it is that the asterisk takes away a little bit of the the legitimacy of it because the NBA season is a grind and a lot of that strategy goes into adjusting to that grind. There's a reason they don't take four months off every year. They have a week off of the All-Star break, whatever, but this is a grind that you plan for, you strategize for, you have everything in place for, and the teams that aren't good enough to, to deal with it lose. They don't get to the playoffs, they don't win titles. And this is a scenario where, yeah, the Lakers might have gone on to win the title anyway, the Bucks might have done it anyway, the Clippers might have done it anyway, but you did get a lot of months off to kind of, like, recuperate and get your body back into prime shape, and essentially you're just starting the season over again. So, to me, it, it's, not like, it's not like I'm saying there's zero legitimacy to this, this championship, but it, I definitely will look at it and be like, oh, they won that year? Like, okay, well... Remember, they had so many months off to get you know back in back in prime shape, or at least like I mean maybe not Chris Middleton who admitted that he hadn't picked up a basketball in three months, but other players like you know like the LeBrons of the world are out there getting ready to come back and they're at full strength. When at this point in the year, there would have been some fatigue for LeBron, there would have been some fatigue for Kawhi and some of these better players. So I think that to me is why it takes a little bit of legitimacy away. It doesn't change any legitimacy for me because I think. You know, just as much as the normal season is a grind and they have to prepare for it, now it's like now we're seeing everybody at their most rested, at their prime. Like, let's see what everyone can do now. Like, it's kind of a cool idea to like have the NBA playoffs begin when everyone is now like fully rested and ready to go. Exactly. I think for every like pro, there's a con. Every con is a pro. Um, also, another thing I, that kind of changed my perspective was. People don't really put asterisks on seasons that were shortened by lockouts or like, I think it was what, like 10 years ago, even we had a season that started in December uh, because of a lockout, the Spurs first championship where um, I think with Tim Duncan, um, that was in a lockout shortened season. And those are things where obviously those are crazy circumstances, things they obviously have more control over, but it was a situation where there was less games or there were times where players had more rest going into certain times of the season, so on and so forth. So I understand that that viewpoint, though. Well, that's also where I'm coming in now. It's like we also just don't know what's going to happen if there's an outbreak. Then legitimacy is going to completely change. If LeBron is in the finals and now he has to miss two weeks, then it's like, yeah, obviously legitimacy is going to change. But like where I'm at now, I'm going to count it for the same. Good point. That's fair. That's fair. Um... So I guess what we can do is we can kind of just run down the conferences, make our make our picks, and see where we think this is going to go. We can start in the East because the East, other than maybe a seating change here or two, I, I think the East is pretty much locked in place. Uh, I guess we can we can decide. Do you guys think that Philly or Indianapolis would end up with a six seed? I'm sorry, the five seed. Who do you think? I think Philly will end up with the five seed over in Indiana. I agree with that. We have a consensus. Sure. Benefited. Um, they're going to be better, especially with Ben Simmons playing power forward finally. Mm. Like, I'm honestly, as a basketball fan, excited to see how that works out because I think 
Pictures have potential to be like way better than they have at any point in the season. Pains me to admit that, but I think you're also correct on that. Um, Colin, do you agree? Do you think Philly will end up leapfrogging the Pacers? Yeah, yeah. But what's the um, what's the playoff format again? Uh, it's just they don't reseed, right? what was it, Brandon? They don't reseed, right? I don't. Do they reseed? I don't do. I don't think they reseed. Do they? They don't reseed no. because I want. They probably should, but I don't think they do right now. Because because when Derrick Rose tore his ACL and the Sixers beat them, the, the Celtics were the four seed and played the eight seed that year. Right. So um, how many teams yeah. are making it to so the playoffs? Eight teams eight, eight are making each. it. Okay. So let's we'll run we'll, we'll run through the East because the East is less complicated. Uh so Milwaukee and Orlando will be a first round matchup. I don't think anybody here has any faith in the magic, right? I don't know if they'll no. be the eight seed though. I think they might be seven. I I mean I I let me let me let me just I won't hide hide behind this. I don't think Orlando or Brooklyn's gonna beat the one of the two seeds, so I don't it really doesn't matter to me. Fair enough. Well, Milwaukee's just gonna coast. Yeah. Four games clean. Yeah, it's yeah, all credit where it's due to the magic, but they're they're not gonna <laughs> even get close. They might make it close like the first half of the first game, but they're not gonna win. But uh, everybody locking in the box there? Yep. Right. Absolutely. No doubt. So then we got Brooklyn and Toronto. I mean, Brooklyn is pretty much a mash unit at this point. So, I mean, like, who who is even left on the Nets roster? Karis LeVert is pretty much it. Karis LeVert. They don't have Tori and Prince. They don't have DeAndre um, Jordan. They don't have Kyrie. They don't have Kevin Durant. I don't even remember if they have Karis No, Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie's out. Yep. Then Woody actually has the virus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Missing everyone. We uh, all I think that I'd probably pick the Raptors to stick with the two seeds. Although I do think there's a chance the Celtics yeah. number three. Uh, but I, I would I would go through the Raptors as the safe choice there. And then as far as if they're playing the Magic, I think it could be like last year where maybe the Magic take a game away. Raptors are notoriously terrible in the first game of their series for some reason. Mm. Um but I would I would expect the Magic to maybe take Two games at most if they're lucky, and as far as the Nets go, like they're gonna sweep regardless. Yeah, but there's no doubt. Colin, what were you gonna say? Nothing. Oh. I was just gonna brag about Jamal Crawford. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can you can go off if you want about Jamal Crawford. We're not gonna we're gonna dispute that. It's uh, not worth any of our time. <laughs> uh, all right. So the way we have it set up, Boston would play Indiana in the first round. Uh, I think Boston would is very well matched up in that series, so I would I would probably lean the Celtics there for sure. I would say probably in five games. I don't know about you guys. I mean, I think the biggest factor is the Pacers are worried that Sabonis broke his foot, and if that's the case, and they're, I mean, they still have Brogdon, they still have whatever is left of Oladipo at the moment, they still have, um, how am I forgetting his name? Leonard Myers Leonard? Mm-hmm. No, not Myers Leonard. Um, who am I? I can't remember. I can't Miles Turner. Miles Turner. Miles. Yeah. They still have Miles Turner, um, but I think Sabonis is probably the second best player on their team. And as far as Oladipo going right now, I think Sabonis is probably the best. And he was their one All Star this year. Um, that kind of that really hurts them. I still think the Pacers could take you know a couple games in this series, especially since the Celtics are a very young team. Um, we also have to remember Kemba really has not a lot of playoff experience. These young guys honestly have more than he does. Um, so hopefully there, that it won't be too much of a challenge. I still have the Celtics winning easily, but I think the Pacers could take two games. Is, is Oladipo is healthy? I don't know. It's all over the place because he keeps practicing, he keeps playing in the scrimmages, and they still won't confirm that he's going to play actual games. But it's like, he's playing the scrimmages. Why would why would he play scrimmages and not come back for actual games? So I think he's going to. No. Um... I still think without Sabonis, but with Oladipo there, I definitely think there's potential for it to go six, but I still think the Celtics are just too talented for the Pacers to beat without Sabonis. So that's, I, I would still go with the Celtics. Are we all are we all in agreement with the Celtics? Easily, yeah. All right. Homers, homers. Let's get what? I said we're homers. Let's do it. That's right. We're homers. That's for sure. Uh, all right. So I think probably the most competitive series of these four would be Miami against Philadelphia. And this would be, there's so many great storylines for this one because you have the Jimmy Butler storyline, you have the fact that they just straight up kind of don't like each other. They've had a pretty good season series, from what I recall. It was so long ago. But 
I don't know, I want to hear from you guys first on this one because I, I I need I need I need time to rid myself of the bias before I make a pick on the series. So I don't know whoever wants to go first. Um, I'll go first. Um, I I think this is gonna be a close matchup, but I think I think the Sixers probably win just because they have the best player on the floor with Embiid. Um, and I think Simmons is a matchup problem for on the other end. Like, he can guard Jimmy Butler, and that's kind of Miami's offense unless they run it through Bam. They have Bam, Butler. I mean, they got Iguodala. Uh, they have, like, a couple of good shooters. They have Duncan Robinson. Myers Leonard's a pretty good shooter. I just don't, I just don't see the Heat being... I think they're a little bit overrated now. They were underrated to start the year, and I, now I think they're overrated. And I just think... The one interesting part to this is both teams are really bad on the road. Um, Philly was 10 and 24 and Miami is 14 and 19 and they were both really good at home. So it's going to be super interesting to see both teams not at home. I just think Philly has the best has the better player and I think they have a better core unit. Whether or not they mesh together, that's obviously remains to be seen, but I'm going to pick Philly. Uh, you know, it's it's funny you mentioned the Heat being overrated because I think before the season got suspended, that was the the hot take I was operating with. But the thing about the Heat is, like, I feel like the way that the the Sixers are a bad matchup for the Celtics, I think the Celtics are a bad matchup for the Heat because the Heat were, like, doing so well against every other team in the East. And then whatever for whatever reason, when they play the Celtics, they just really struggle with them. And they just match up very well with them for whatever reason. So uh, that being said, I... As much as it's hard for me to say, I do agree. I think Philly will win the series, but I think it'll go seven. So I'm going to say Philly in seven for this series. Um, at, so they will pull off the minor upset because I do agree. I think the Heat are a little bit overrated. I think Philly is overall a better team, and they have Embiid on the floor, who other than Duncan Robinson is the best player on the floor. So, you know, they they at least do have they have that. So uh, what about you, Brandon and Colin? Who's your, who would be your pick in that series? Um, I definitely picked the Sixers. I think the Heat have been overachieving all year. Um, I even think that it's possible that the Sixers piggyback the Heat in the uh, standing so that possible. I know it won't matter much, but the, the Sixers would be the fourth seed compared to um, the Heat. And I also, one thing we have to take into consideration as well is lineups usually shrink and get smaller in the playoffs. And if I'm the Heat, you know, I'm obviously relying on Jimmy Butler. I'm obviously relying on Bam Adebayo. But outside of that, like I'm worried about a dude like Duncan Robinson taking the last shot or Kendrick Nunn or even Andre Iguodala still has it in him. Um, and as far as the Sixers go, obviously just awful shooting for that team. Um, I think it was poorly constructed from the start of the season. It just didn't make sense that you would invest so much in a lot of big guys who can't shoot and also who you have your two top players, Simmons and Embiid, both need the ball. So at some point, you know, they might have to break things up with that roster. But as of now, they have the most talent, and they have the most uh, depth compared to the Heat. I think the Heat are a lot of role-playing guys who serve their role very well. And But like I said, I think they're overachieving, and at some point you're going to have to expect, one, those lineups to shrink, and two, for those guys to miss some shots in you know, big, big situations. Yeah, I think you guys pretty much covered it. I think it has the potential to go uh, to seven, but I think the Sixers are too good. Um, they got the two best players on the court. Yep. So we're all in agreement on the final four of the Eastern Conference. We got Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, and Philly. Uh, don't need to reseed there, which is the good good part. Uh, so do you guys want to hop to the West or finish out the East? Let's finish out the East. All right. So then you got Mil- Mil- Millie, Milwaukee and Philly. Um, as, as much as I like what Philly's put together, uh, I will enjoy saying this. Milwaukee will win this series. Uh, I think it, I think it could go six. I, I, I think I like six there, but I do think Milwaukee, you know, like we said about MB in the heat series, Milwaukee has the best player on the floor by a wide margin. Uh, Giannis is the best player on the floor and Chris Middleton's a fantastic player as well. So I think overall Milwaukee just has the better the better weapons, the way better coach. Way, way, way better coach. Uh, I forgot how much I couldn't stand Brett Brown. This has really brought out that part of me. I, I remember I forgot how much I hate Brett Brown as the coach. Come on now. Brett Brown sucks, dude. He's the he's one of the one of the one of the worst coaches for one of the best teams in the league. It's it's insane. But I, I still think beyond all that, Milwaukee is gonna win this series in six. That'd be my pick. Yeah, yeah. I mean I'm in agreement. I, I would pick six over seven. Um, I think that, you know, Embiid is obviously a matchup nightmare for guys like the Lopez twins and 
you know, I don't know how much um, Giannis will be guarding him. I'm sure it'll be plenty. But at the same on that, that on that reverse, Embiid's obviously very good at defense. But you've got a, just a, an entire team who can just shoot the ball down um, the Sixers' throat, which is the antithesis of Sixers basketball. Sixers can't shoot; they're really a grind you down, pound sort of team. Bucks can do that too, but they can also shoot. Um, when obviously, you know, we've been going off the consistency of best player in each um, series is usually the one who takes it. Um, and I'm not going against that at this time. I think Giannis is at the very least going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, I'm. I'm I think the uh, the Bucks just have a couple good defenders to throw at Embiid. They both Lopez brothers, and Embiid's probably still going to get some points. But those are two guys that can kind of bang around and, and wear him out a little bit. And I just don't think that Philly has enough offense to score with Milwaukee. I mean, you can throw Simmons at, at Giannis, but then that wears him down on the other end. And Giannis is just so physically imposing. Phil, Simmons is going to get in foul trouble, I feel like. And I just don't see enough scoring from Philly unless Simmons starts shooting the ball well from three or from the outside, which I don't see happening. Yeah, I think it has a potential to even be a clean sweep by the Bucks. I think uh, they're way too talented, and I think this is going to be Giannis's year to really stamp uh in the uh, playoffs. And I could see them uh, going on a run in the finals. So we all have Milwaukee making it to the Eastern Conference Finals, but who is going to play them? You have Toronto and Boston. Here is a scenario where this could really work to the Celtics' advantage because Toronto is very good at home, especially against the Celtics. They Except the Celtics did beat them this year in, in Toronto, and Toronto uh, flipped the script on them in Boston. But I... See this if this was legit in Toronto home field at home court advantage I'd be a little I'd be way more hard like way harder on the Celtics chances to win. I'm torn here. I mean it we've yet to see how these teams will look but come on damn. we all got Boston here. Let's not yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I I I mean let's not take anything away from Toronto. They're a great team. I I just think that Boston overall if you're putting them on neutral court, Boston's the better team. I right, that's what I think. The Raptors yeah. have a lot of age too. They're a really old team. Um, and then, are you really going to be able to rely on uh, Marshall and Serge Ibaka and OG Ananobi and even Pascal Siakam? He was good in the playoffs last year, but he was never the guy. Um, Kyle Lowry is really the only guy who I think you could say we know exactly what his role is going to be. We know exactly how he's going to perform in the playoffs. Um, but everyone else, even though I do think the Raptors are a great team, fully through. And as far as coaches go, um, Budenholzer is great, but I think Nick Nurse is even better. Um, but I think that that'll obviously serve them to a benefit, so they're going to be a tough out. I would pick the Celtics in seven personally just because I think the Celtics are as deep as the Raptors are, a deeper team. And I think they're good players. Their, their main rotation um, is honestly, in terms of individual players, a lot better than what the Raptors have. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... I think the Celtics probably win. Um, I think the one thing I that would make me kind of flip-flop is if Kemba comes back as the same guy that was kind of like slow and laggy before when he hurt his knee, I think that kind of changes things. And Tatum needs to be the same guy he was for that two-month stretch. He can't be the guy he was for the first couple months. If, those two, if both those things happen, they're not going to beat the Raptors, but I don't think either of those things happen. I think Kemba's back, and I, I think Tatum will be good. I mean, I, I think Siakam's probably, if Tatum doesn't do what he did in those two months, he's probably, Siakam's probably the best player this year on the floor. Um, so, I mean, they have that advantage, but I think the Celtics' depth is just better. Yeah, I think it's a tough matchup for Toronto. I mean, we got like three or four guys that we can throw at Siakam. Um, and then, I mean, we got uh, between Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, I'm not worried about Kyle Lowry. And uh, if Van Fleet is their third best player, then I'm okay. I don't, I don't think the Celtics are have a tough time in Toronto. Well, uh, I can tell you what, Celtics can have a tough time playing Milwaukee because I don't think they have a shot in hell beating the Bucks. Uh, that would be your easy. That's all of our Eastern Conference Finals. We have the Bucks and the Celtics. Uh, I love the Celtics. We're all huge Celtics fans. I would be stunned if anybody here has them winning more than a game against the Bucs. Uh, I, I think it could be a good series. Um, so. If Tatum plays and as well as he has been and, and Walker does, and obviously Brown's taking a big step forward, if you, if you make Hayward your fourth or fifth option and Smart's out there too, 
I mean, I think this team could could push them a little bit and, and press the issue. The one issue is obviously who covers Giannis. That's a huge issue. Yeah, it's, it's a, that's a pretty big issue, I would say. Just that that one thing you got to solve. But like, it, there's a strategy too. Like they used to do with LeBron is you let LeBron go for 50 points, but then no one else scores points, and the team only scores 90. Like right. there's the uh, there's that option too. Like if you throw Jalen Brown on Middleton, and you have you know. You just throw Shemi Ojale out there and use his six fouls, and then you throw out someone else just to wear him down. He'll get 40 points, but no one else will score. Um, remember, do you guys remember last year when the Celtics hold, – holy, wait. The one they played the Bucks that was that was last season, right? Yeah. Kyrie. That was last – oh, my God. Dude, that, feels, that feels like 3,000 years ago. Um Remember, remember when they won game one and it was like, holy shit, Al Horford can shut down Giannis. They found the secret. The team on purpose. Yeah, Kyrie then like kind of just sabotaged. Yeah, he really would not let anyone else guard Giannis except for him. Or when he wouldn't pass the ball or when he just dribbled out the clock or when he left the bench early and went to the locker room. I remember that series. Oh, yeah. I don't think anybody forgets that one. Um, Brandon, what, what do you, what do you uh, uh, gauge the Celtics' chances in this series? Um, I would pick the Bucks, but I think that of any team in the playoffs, and I don't think this is me being a homer because I, I do think I look at the NBA pretty pretty quickly. I think the Celtics are by far the best matchup of any other team in the East. Um, the Celtics match up very well against Giannis. Um, same deal with what, what Colin was saying about Siakam. Um, Celtics have four or five guys who can guard Giannis, and we've also seen it before. Granted, Giannis has gotten better, but we even saw it during the regular season this past year. Um, first game of the season, Bucks were smacking the Celtics. Um, they ended up losing that game, but they came back, and then they played pretty well against the Bucks for the rest of the season, too. Um, I think there might have been one blowout in Milwaukee, but like I said, I think that um, the Celtics probably match up against the Bucks better than any other team in the East. I think, you know, obviously the Lakers and the Clippers, you might be able to say more than the Celtics, but outside of that, any other team in the West as well. Um, so I would say this could go six, maybe seven, but I'm still I'm still picking the Bucks just because you know this is Giannis's time. He's got a very complete team, even better than last year's team. Biggest factor though, I mean Eric Bledsoe just notorious for being a complete booty in the playoffs, and I really don't expect him to be good in the playoffs because I never really thought he was elected to begin with. Um, so that's going to be a huge problem they have to deal with. And we also have to remember they don't have Malcolm Brogdon anymore, who I think is one of the more underrated players in the NBA. Colin, what about you? What do you? What do you? I mean, you said they might sweep the Sixers. So, what are their chances with the Celtics? The Celtics? I think Celtics could grab maybe. I think six, maybe, maybe seven if Tatum's falling. But I think probably six is a safer bet. Uh, yeah, Giannis is just too filthy. So, all four of us across the board, Bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No matter how good of a series they make it, it's it's Giannis against the world, baby. Like Colin said, it's just his year. So the Bucks are our Eastern Conference, our Eastern Conference champions. All of us. So let's move to the West. There's only really there's two questions I need to ask you guys for the West, assuming things stay the same. Uh, OKC and Houston are tied for the five seed. I think Houston ends up leapfrogging them for the five seed. What do you guys think? Yeah, I don't think so. I think OKC stays in the five slot. I think. Okay. I think OKC could actually pass the Jazz um, because the Jazz have no Bogdanovich. Uh, I think the Jazz could end up losing a couple games uh, of ground on the Thunder. I think the Thunder will be the four, the Jazz will be the five. Rocket sick. All right, so let's just do that then. Where do you? So I will say I'm going to say Utah, Houston, and OKC. Dave, you're saying OKC, Utah, Houston. Yeah. All right, Brandon, what do you think? So are we saying what for the four, five, six? Yes. Um, if I had to, I would put probably Houston, OKC, and then the Jazz. Um, they're all separated by between the three of them by one and a half games. Um, the Thunder and the Rockets are both one and a half games behind the Jazz. And like Dave said, um, they don't have Bagdanovich, who, I mean, it's a 20-point-per-game score. That's going to be a huge loss. I also don't think they have a lot of scoring. Um, and then I think, I mean, obviously, they're going to be a team. They're going to be playing together. But you you do have to take in some into some consideration whether this team is really whether it has any chemistry because like Donovan Mitchell has come out repeatedly and he said like I'm very angry with how this was handled and how Rudy Gobert went about things and those are the two best players in your team having a public uh, beef so uh, and I I know they've been around each other and whatnot but I'm also sure that those 
sentiments, those feelings are still there. So who knows what that what effect that has in the game. So I would I would pick both of the Bucks guys at this point. So Colin, you're pretty much our tiebreaker here. We think we have everything. I'm with Brendan. I'm with Brendan. Uh, I mean, Utah just barely beat the Pelicans by one point or two points or whatever it was. I'm uh, and between Harden and Westbrook, I think they both look so good in these uh, scrimmages. Okay. And they look like they're in such crazy shape. I think Harden put up 35 in the first half against Celtics B team the other day. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go Houston OKC Jones. All right, so for argument's sake, we will do Houston, OKC, Utah, uh, four, five, six. And then the last question is, who ends up with the eight seed? Does Memphis keep it, or does Portland, Sacramento, New Orleans, San Antonio, or Phoenix make a run for it? Uh, I, I mean, I've <clears throat> I think at this point Memphis keeps it. Uh, I think the only team that – I mean, the Pelicans probably would have been a team that people would have picked, but – they lost the first game, and they really kind of need to go seven and one or eight and out and have Memphis slip up. So, I think that's kind of done. It's it's basically Portland has to go eight and out, and Memphis has to kind of be in the tank for that to happen. I think Memphis wins up. But um, one thing we also the NBA is actually doing a plan for the bottom two seeds. So if they finish the season within four games of the eighth seed, then they'll get to do the play-in tournament. And if they do the play-in, the eighth seed only has to beat the ninth seed once. But the ninth team never beat the eighth team twice. So there is still a chance. And I think that I agree with you there, Dave, about the Pelicans. Um, I think today they kind of showed their hand. Um, they're worried. I don't know if they're worried about Zion's health or what it is, but it sounds like they're not even really, you know, fully competing, which is really disappointing because obviously you want to preserve Zion, but like what are you even playing for if that's the case? He has a chance to go to the playoffs, get some really good experience as a rookie and you're playing him a few minutes. Uh, as far as the Grizzlies go, and, and the uh, Blazers, I think that it's going to end up with them playing um, a, a tiebreaker for that eight seed. As of right now, I think, um, yeah, the, the Blazers are, are three and a half games behind the um, Grizzlies, so they really just have to keep pace um, to get that playing game. If they're playing against each other, um, in the three-game series, it's very tough, but full-strength uh, Blazers versus Full-strength Grizzlies, as good as Jaws, and how nice it is to have Jared Jackson back, and they've got a lot of really great role players, um, and their, their rookies have been playing really well. I'm picking Dame any day of the week over them. So, favorite um, players by far, and he, he's going to he's going to he's going to take it. So, just to clarify, what's the situation with Dallas? They're so far ahead of everybody, but they're not guaranteed a spot yet. Um, I mean, yeah. So, if they were to lose every game. And one of these teams were to win every game. Oh, I guess okay. All right. My bad. They could because within eight games, they have a seven and a half game lead on the Blazers. Okay. But they're as good as guaranteed a spot. All right. It's My really bad. Between, um, yeah. All right. So I, I still have Memphis. Dave still has Memphis. You have Portland. Colin, it's either flip a coin or Memphis. I'm going to agree with Brendan again. I think I'm going to go with Portland. I, I think it's going to, I don't even really understand it to be honest, but I, I think they're going to go on a run right here. And, uh, well, it's weird how they have it set up. But I think the funny thing is, um, none of us are even considering the Kings, uh, <laughs> and they're, they're actually they're above both. Uh, no, they're above the Pelicans, and they're at the same place as the Blazers. So the Kings are just as much in this as anyone else. It'd be hilarious if they took the it. It's it's gonna look crazy when the Suns win the championship this year, and none of us picked them to get there. Uh, so you know what? Just for argument's sake, I'll I'll change my pick to Portland just so we can get through the one eight matchup. Which, I mean, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you guys, I don't know what you guys are going to pick or if you're going to go crazy or not. I think the Lakers beat the Blazers in six and five games. I think maybe the Blazers win one because they said they have Dame and McCollum. They have good players. But I think, I mean, you're talking about LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I, I just think they're going to overpower the Blazers, especially since they really haven't had that good of a year this year. Yes, they get Nurkic back, but they've been disappointing. And. I just think the Lakers are that much better. They're way better of a team. So I got to I gotta go with the Lakers. I don't know if I'm a Blazers apologist because I like Dame Lillard so much, but um, I think they can't – I don't think they're going to win the series at all. I would pick them to pick a single – to win a single game. I think it's definitely possible they could win two, though, just because on one end, the Lakers easing a bit. Um, and then two, I really think, um, you know, it's huge how the Blazers are getting back Nurkic and Collins. So that's minutes that, I mean, you think about some random guys they've had to play, 
um, some young guy they've had to play. I know even um, the guy who has been playing most of the minutes for Nurkic Kitchen Collins right now, since they have so much depth now, they told that guy to stay back in Portland. They were like, we're, you're going to be like past the 17-man roster, so you're not even going to we don't even need you at this point, which is really great for them depth-wise. Um, also, they have kind of unsung heroes like um, C.J. McCollum, Anthony Simmons, um, who I think is going to be a pretty good player. The Blazers have avoided trading him in some big deals a few times already. Um, so I think that, you know, he's not really a rookie anymore at this point. He's already got a, pretty much a full year under his belt. It's kind of like going into your sophomore season with this. So let's see if he can step it up, too, because if that's the case, you have five guys right there who can compete. And again, I picked the Lakers, but if you got JaVale McGee versus Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins, I mean, they're going to get beat up. And Anthony Davis doesn't like playing center. He's really going to have to step up against those guys. But you, Dave? Got the, got the Blazers in upset? No, I, I have Lakers. I think they win pretty easily. I mean, I, I know Dame's a good player and CJ's awesome, but I mean, this Blazers team minus, I mean, they didn't have Nurkic last year in the playoffs, but they also got dominated against the Warriors, who basically only had Steph and a half-healthy Clay Thompson. So, I don't know. I, I I think, to me, it's pretty easy. I think the Lakers walk over Portland. It's probably like a five-game series. Yeah, I'm in agreement. I think it's going to be pretty easy for the Lakers. A walk for, for the Lakers. Walk for the Lakers. Uh, staying in L.A., you have the Clippers against the Mavericks. So... I mean, I think the Clippers will win this series, but I wouldn't be surprised if it, it not like it, not a huge challenge, but I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas made it interesting. Dave, you're the biggest Luka Doncic fan I've ever met, so you can start this one off. Yeah, I mean, I think Dallas can make this interesting because Luka would be probably the second best player on the floor right now because I don't think Paul George is fully healthy yet and we haven't seen him fully healthy. Yeah. Um, so Luka would be the second best player behind Kawhi. But... Uh, I think when it comes down to it, like at the end of a game when Luca's trying to win the game and he's Kawhi on him, I think that's a little bit of a different battle than having an opposing point guard or shooting guard on you. Uh, so I, as much as I like Dallas and I think they can cause some matchup problems, I think the Clippers would win probably in four or five games. Yeah. I'm really not that high on the Mavericks. Uh, I think Luka Doncic is an incredible player, but I don't think they have all that much outside of him. Um, I could see the Clippers totally just sweeping the Mavericks and maybe they're only being one close game and the rest of them are, you know, 10 or so point victories where they kind of hang around, but the Clippers have a hold on it the entire time. Um, just because, again, bringing up depth, the Clippers just have so much more than the, um, the Mavericks do. And the Clippers also have probably the two top guys in the entire NBA who want to guard Luka Doncic. So if Luka can ball out in spite of that, um, I'm really excited to see it. I think he's a future potential MVP. Uh, but yeah, I think the Clippers are just going to completely suffocate them. Yeah, I think Clippers have uh, by far the best defensive players in the league between uh, Pat Beverly, uh, Paul Jordan, obviously Kawhi, and I don't think uh, Luka would do too much damage to the three of them, or Przingis for that matter. Mm, yeah. You know, I always forget they have Porzingis. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I love Luka, but I think the Clippers probably make it a five-game series just like the Lakers do. So uh, we're all in agreement on the Lakers and the Clippers. Moving on to uh, Denver and our consensus six seed, the Utah Jazz. Um, yeah, I'm, I've, I'm really not that high. I'm not high on either of these teams, to be quite frank. Uh, I like the Nuggets. I like Jokic. I for whatever reason, like, I love Jamal Murray. He's just, like, one of my favorite players. I don't know what it is, but I just, I've always liked Jamal Murray. Um, that being said, I'm that much lower on the Jazz. Uh, they don't really impress me all that much. I'm not sure how great of a chemistry they have. I like Mitchell. I like Gobert. But I, I, I'm not that impressed with the Jazz. So as low as I am on the Nuggets, I'm that much lower on the Jazz. Um, Colin, what do you think about the Nuggets-Jazz matchup? No, I'm with you. I could not care any less about this matchup. I won't watch one game probably, even though Jokic looks like he dropped 150 pounds during this pandemic. Um, I, I guess I'll take the Nuggets. Yeah, almost by default. I'll take the Nuggets in like I'll take them in six. Quite honestly, uh, Brandon. Yeah, I would take the Nuggets too. Um, but I also think these are two teams that look really good in the regular season, and when they get to the playoffs, they kind of falter a bit. Granted, the Nuggets did, you know, they had a couple of seven-game series last year. 
I mean, one against the Spurs where they probably should have beaten them sooner. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but I'm definitely picking the Nuggets just because um, you got Jokic, who's, I think, the best player on the court there. He's definitely better than Jonathan Mitchell. I think Mitchell is really good, but doesn't really do much on defense. And he's also 100% a volume shooter, so if it's not dropping for him, they're going to be in big trouble. Uh, and again, Bogdanovich, um, I think people don't really give him enough credit in terms of his scoring ability, especially the fact that you have some random-ass dude who can just hit 20 points any night, and he's a great three-point shooter. Um, but when you look at who's going to be beside um, Donovan Mitchell at this point, who else is going to shoot the ball? Because, you know, Gobert, he'll get his 10 points, but, you know, he's not going to do anything outside of the basket. He'll play his great defense. Um, but you also have you know, Jokic to negate him. And I think Jokic can also just run a clinic on Gobert. He's a great player, but Jokic is so agile, such a great passer. Um, I think he's really just going to run the floor with Gobert. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you guys, Jake, and Colin. It, this series, like, is not interesting at all. Bogdanovich was kind of, like, the only option that, other than Mitchell, that creates his own offense. Conley looks weird all of a sudden this year. I'm going to take the Nuggets, but I do so thinking that I don't like the Nuggets either. Conley had one great game this year, and it came against the Celtics. I was so mad watching that game. I remember how pissed off I was. He was in everything he shot. I was so, he was, like, draining threes. It was like Mike Conley from five years ago. It was unbelievable. Um, and then the 4-5 matchup would be Houston and Oklahoma City. Um, I, I This is a, a very fascinating matchup. For There's a lot of reasons why. That being said, I, I really hate the brand of basketball that Houston plays, but at the same time, I've always I know James Harden in the postseason is never a given, and but but I I just I like Houston in this matchup. I don't know what it is. Uh, I I like what OKC has put together, but I think that this break might have lost the momentum that they had, and they might be able to regain some of it. But I I just like I mean Houston. If you're talking best players on the floor, Houston probably has the two best players on the floor. I mean Chris Paul's had a great year. I like Shea Gildas Alexander. He's a great player. But at the end of the day, I think the Rockets just have more talent, and that what I think will be end up what ends up vaulting them over the Thunder. Now I know Colin Maxwell, you guys were higher on the Thunder, the Thunder, the higher on the Rockets uh, than than Dave and I were a little bit. But I I like the Rockets to win this series. I think it might go seven, quite honestly. But I do like the Rockets to win it. I think uh, I think Houston is such a better team. I'm looking. I had to look up. Uh, the Thunder stats to see who's even scoring here. I mean, Shigeru because Alexander's good. The Gallinari is their second leading scorer. And then Schroeder, I'm so confident with the uh, Rockets here <laughs> to be able to. I don't know. I don't. Maybe like pick a six, maybe. But yeah, I got the Rockets. Yeah, I'm confident in six. I think six is. is, is I guess that's pretty much what it's going to get to. But uh, Brandon, what do you got? I'd probably say 6-2, and as much as I do like what the Rockets are doing, um, I'm not too confident in them in the playoffs just because your two top players are two guys who are notorious for not delivering in the playoffs, um, Harden and Westbrook. Granted, Harden hasn't necessarily like fallen flat on his face in the playoffs too many times. He's had some bad games, but I think people definitely overhype those because he's had some very good games too. Same with Westbrook, but at the same time, these dudes have... When you got... The game on the line and a game seven, we've seen it throughout their careers. Um, they're probably going to lose. Um, and then as far as the Thunder go, it's funny because you have that same sort of situation with Chris Paul. I was a great player. Won't take anything against him. But once the playoffs come, it's usually an injury, usually something that um, doesn't click, that they, they end up not being successful. And it's very weird because this could be a totally different world if Chris Paul's hamstring didn't give out that one game because I think the Rockets were honestly on pace to – beat the Warriors um, before they were going on to play the Cavaliers in that last matchup. Um, but it's going to be tough, too, with a small ball lineup. Um, Steven Adams is one of the better centers in the NBA, and I think P.J. Tucker can match up well against him, but I also think, you know, P.J. Tucker is a good three-point shooter, really good from the corners, but he's not someone who you're going to be consistently expecting to be bringing Steven uh, Adams outside to the perimeter and whatnot. I think that works against them. Um, I also think that the Thunder... There's a really good, complete team. Dennis Schroeder is going to be hands down the sixth man of the year. Um, but at the same time, the argument I was making earlier about the Heat, I think it's the same deal with the Thunder. 
Um, they kind of overachieved all year. And also, when you expect those rotations to get shorter, who's really going to be taking those shots? I think Shea Gillis Alexander really good, but it's going to be his first one in the playoffs. Schroeder, uh, Gallinari, they're not guys you want to be taking the last shot necessarily. Same deal with Chris Paul, honestly. Um, so I'm going to pick the, the Rockets. I would say they would win in six. Um, but I also think the Rockets have some shortcomings too. Dave, our big OKC stand. What do you got? I mean, I, I like Chris Paul a lot, and it's obviously he's going to have a big series. Uh, SGA is going to be great. Gallinari is pretty good. Adams is going to dominate in the paint. But, I mean, I honestly am not really that confident in either of these teams in the playoffs. Uh, I like the Thunder just overall, like the depth they have, but they don't have enough guys. Like they have, they have two SGA and Chris Paul are probably an above average backcourt, but the front court's not great. Dort is too young. Gallinari doesn't really offer anything on defense, and he's he's kind of been up and down. I mean, you got to go Rockets. As much as I want to go Thunder, you have to go Rockets. Probably in five or six games, depending on how effective Westbrook is early on. That's an all-chalk Western Conference Finals, boys. All right, so we got the Lakers and the Houston Rockets. Uh, we just talked about the Rockets, and I like the Rockets a lot, but I don't. I think it's a matchup nightmare for them with the Lakers. I just, I don't, I don't see them. I, I think it'll go six to be generous to the Rockets, but I just think the Lakers are way too much for Houston. I like Houston. I like Harden. I like Westbrook. The game they play infuriates me a little bit. But I just think the Lakers are just, they're too good. They're OP'd. They're too good. I think the Lakers went in in six. I think it's a weird matchup for both teams, if that were to be it. It's like the Lakers are not good shooting. They're huge. And the Rockets are the complete opposite. I mean, I think the Lakers, they got the, probably the best player ever in uh, uh, J.R. Smith. So <laughs> I don't think they have a problem. But also, can we just... I'm just watching this on the uh, other screen, too, the Lakers game. Anthony Davis might be the weirdest-looking dude in the NBA. <laughs> and he also, I mean, I got to give him respect for it. He doubled down and leaned heavily into the unibrow. He was like, hey, that's my... Dude, he tripled down. That's his brand, the unibrow. Is Try to trademark through the brow. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that... I agree with you guys. I think the Lakers are... Uh, are going to take this one, I would say, probably five games. I think that the Rockets could win two, though. Um, I don't think they necessarily match up well against each other, but as far as the strengths and the weaknesses compared to each other, I think the Lakers definitely outweigh the Rockets, um, obviously physically, but on that level, too. And I think we're about to see, you know, if, if this series happens, we're going to be seeing like 2010 Dwight Howard just yamming all over P.J. Tucker um, and the ghost of what could have been Clint Capella. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that the the Lakers definitely have a good handle on this. I think the Rockets even signed, they signed a couple of like random weird dudes too, or like small forwards, who they got them for the sole purpose of playing center for that team. So they're going to have a lot of guys playing out of position. I know basketball, you know, pretty much positionless these days, but you still need bigs. Dave, biggest Eric Gordon fan I know. I know you're going Rockets in a sweep here. I'm going Lakers so easily, it's not even a question in my mind. I'm going Lakers in, like, maybe even four games or five games. Like, I, I think the Lakers easily crush the Rockets. They're going to dominate. Like, the, the Rockets are a weird team, and they're just they're not going to be long for this playoff. All right, so, again, Lakers chalk for all four of us. Um, I will make this next one quick and easy. I have the Clippers in five over the Nuggets. Like I said before, I don't really like a lot about the Nuggets. I like Jokic. I don't know why, but I love Jamal Murray. He's a very good player. Um, but overall, I just think, I mean, the Clippers have, even if Paul George isn't 100%, he's still very good. And you have Kawhi Leonard, who is the best player on the court. Um, yeah, I, I got to say, it's going to be a battle of L.A. It's going to be. That's just, I think that's how it's going to be. It's going to be a simple, easy semifinals for both the L.A. teams, and they're going to meet in the conference finals. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Jake. I'm going Clippers here in four or five games again. Like it, it, to me, it's just real easy. I think the Nuggets aren't really that good. They're not impressive at all. They weren't impressive last year when they almost lost to the Spurs in the first round. If there wasn't like That's a right. mental error down the stretch, not fouling, down by like two with like 17 seconds left, they didn't foul and ran out the clock. Um, it it just to me is a real easy pick. Clippers easily. Yeah. Um. 
I do think that despite the size that the Nuggets possess, um, even though you got smaller guys on the Clippers playing most minutes, like uh, Harold, you can still throw a guy like Zubek out there for 20, 25 minutes uh, to combat Jokic. Granted, I think, again, Jokic is going to chew him up alive. Um, but the, the Clippers just have way more firepower. Clippers, was the, Clippers excuse me, are just a way more complete team. And I think really the only thing that the Clippers have going against them is, you know, you could argue they don't have a ton of chemistry. They haven't played too many minutes together, um, which they haven't. But still, those guys, they were just coming together on a pickup. Uh, I would still pick them in the Nuggets, I think. Yeah, I don't even think that we even need to talk about this with the Clippers four or five maybe at the most but that brings us to what both Clippers Lakers sounds like it is that what we're down to yep we're down to uh, down to the Clippers and the Lakers now we have the uh, Western Conference Finals <laughs> sorry I came swinging back in there I had a running a band-aid um, are you okay no I'm good yeah yeah got a little cut of a finger there let's see uh, I'm okay <laughs> it's on my middle finger, so I don't want to. I don't want to be lewd for the people at home, you know, Colin. I don't want to. Uh, I don't. I, this is a family program, even though we swear on it. Uh, so we're down to the conference finals. We've got the Clippers and the Lakers. Um, I still think the Clippers are going to win the series. I think they match up better with the Lakers in the regular season games. I've seen them play. I think the Clippers will look like the better team, especially now that Paul George has had a chance to get a little bit healthier. Um, Didn't the Lakers beat them like both times they played? I don't think so. The Clippers won opening night. Uh, well, maybe the Clippers won both. I think the Clippers won both. Yeah, from what I remember, I really. or maybe the Clippers won two. Clippers got destroyed the second game. The what? Clippers got uh, dominated the second game. And did, was there a third one, or did get the season get suspended before no, the third one? They didn't get to play the third because of the season suspension, and then the fourth one uh, was the day of Kobe's death, so they they moved that. Right. That right. Okay. All right. So that's right, because that was that was right. That was supposed to happen. So, uh, so they did split the season series, and I guess yes, they did get dominated in that second one. But I still like what I see from the Clippers against the Lakers. Um, I just think when the chips are down, I think Kawhi and Paul George defensively are are, are good enough to hold back the Lakers. I think it's going to go seven. I think it will go the full length of the series. But I I do like the Clippers to have the slight edge over the Lakers for, to go to the finals. <laughs> I feel like the Clippers haven't really clicked in yet. It just doesn't feel natural when I see them on the court. I think if they can um, click in, then I think they could beat the Lakers. But if they're uh, playing how they have this for the season, I think the Lakers got it. I think it goes seven either way. All right. The Clippers, it kind of just doesn't feel natural yet. I think a lot of it is due to them not having having played so many minutes together. But, like, when you look at any time they played this season, Paul George wasn't playing when Kawhi was was playing. Kawhi wasn't playing when Paul George was. Lou Will wasn't playing when Montrez was. Montrez wasn't playing when Will was. There's always someone out. Um, it was kind of like the Celtics, but the Celtics at least had that established credibility where most of those guys were playing together for a long time. These guys are just having their first you know, 60 games or so together. So I'm picking the Lakers too. Um, I'm going to pick them in seven games. And I think that this series could literally go anyway, depending on the coin flip, just because as great as I think LeBron is, I think Kawhi is almost just as ruthless and with guys like PG and whatnot. That could take him over the edge, but I'm still picking the Lakers in seven. All right, Dave, what do you got? Um, I'm going to take the Lakers here, and I think in six or seven games, probably six games. I haven't seen Paul George play like I know he can in the past, and I think the Clippers, to me, are just a weird team that, like Colin said, they, they haven't really done anything, and they haven't really proven that they've meshed together yet. Um, they're not really that good defensively, which is weird because they have Beverly, uh, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George on the on the wings, and their their defense down low is kind of concerning. The Lakers are pretty good on the glass with their big guys, and I I think LeBron is just on a mission this year to to win a championship, and this is kind of like his last shot as far as like being fully in a in his prime or close to it at least. I think each year he's just kind of kind of tail off a little bit, even if it's not super noticeable. Um, and I'm just going to take the Lakers because they have the best player on the court. Uh, I see what you guys are saying about the Lakers. I get that. But also I think you can't count out the fact that the, the Clippers bench is that much, is so much better than what the Lakers have to offer off the bench, at least in my opinion. Um, so when those guys are getting rests and, you know, the, the, 
they they need a little bit off the bench. I think this, the, the Clippers have the advantage there. But either way, we have an L.A. team, obviously, going to the finals. So we have the Bucks and the Lakers for the three of you, and the Bucks and the Clippers for me in the finals. Um, I don't know who wants to start. Dave, you want to start? You have the Bucks and the Lakers. You said LeBron's on a mission, but this could be Giannis's year. What's your finals prediction? Um, I'm still going to go Lakers here. I think the Lakers win in probably seven games. I think it goes the distance. Uh, Giannis is awesome, and they have a lot of – the supporting cast is probably better, but you have two of the three best players on the court for the Lakers, and both of, and all three of them are in the top five to seven of the NBA, like with Davis, LeBron, and Giannis. I'm going to take the Lakers, and, think, and I just think LeBron is going to turn up to another gear, and, and Anthony Davis is going to come through. Um, um, yeah, I guess I'll have to pick the Lakers. Such a bummer. I really don't want to pick the Lakers. I kind of want to pick the Clippers, but I don't think I can. I definitely can't pick the Bucks over the Lakers. So I guess it leaves me by default by picking the Lakers, um, strictly because they have J.R. Smith. And that's really my only reasoning. I mean, that, that signing just changed everything for them. Nope. Great swap. Oh, yeah. Avery Bradley, you know, and Dion Waiters too. Ooh. But um, it's crazy. I didn't even realize they had been on that team. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> I didn't even realize too. Um, I guess Jared Smith hadn't played an NBA game in like 600 days. So it's been a minute there. Because he didn't play for the Cavs last year, even though he was on the roster. Um, but as far as the Lakers books go, uh, I'm kind of in agreement with Colin. It'd be cool to be able to pick the Bucks just because that's a team that hasn't won since, like, what, the 70s. And you want to see Giannis being successful, especially because, you know, it's so dependent on him staying with the Bucks. His contract runs up after another year. So at that point, he could go, you know, obviously anywhere, and the Bucks want to make a good impression. So this is really, you know, the time is now. Last year, this year, potentially next year, this is their championship window with at least, you know, this roster here. But, um, again, as far as matchups go, I think they do match up very well against the Lakers, but I'm still picking the Lakers, um, especially because I know I said it before, but when you're looking at the starting five, you need everyone to deliver. And a guy like Robin Lopez, I'm fully confident he can hit a three in the playoffs. But again, Eric Bledsoe, like, I don't think he was that great to begin with. Um, I think that contract was really bad when they signed him to it. I think they should have given Brogdon that money, Brogdon that money instead. Um, I think they're going to face the consequences of that in the finals. It's going to catch up to them at some point. And, like, really, Eric Bledsoe in the playoffs, and I'm not trying to hate on him because I think he's a good player and he's great on defense, but he's literally, in the playoffs, the past two or three years he's been with his team, he's only hurt them. Like, they've been better with him on the bench and playing Pat Connaughton, you know, 20-something minutes a game rather than this guy who just gave $80 million to over four years. You say you don't hate Eric Bledsoe. You spent quite a bit of breath on Eric Bledsoe in this episode. <laughs> I think you hate Eric Bledsoe. Yeah. I, don't, I don't. It's just that. Brandon, do you feel like Eric Bledsoe? Do you not want to be here? <laughs> he's, got a, he's got a big contract. And he's like, at least when I'm going through players in the NBA who are like the guys who just completely shut off once you get to the playoffs and you're making a starting five, he's the starting point guard hands down. Like he's every year he's made the playoffs, he's just been truly terrible. Like, we, we, I know as Celtics fans, we remember it pretty clearly, but this dude got completely soft, like, played off the court, legitimately played off the court. He had to leave because of Terry Rozier. Power. Because Terry Rozier was just shit, shooting down his throat. And then on top of that, when you're looking at the big games, like, uh, against the Cavs and whatnot, Terry Rozier was nowhere to be found. He just completely soft on blood. So, and Rozier's not even the only guy to do it. Again, not trying to just trash blood so forever, but he's really bad in the playoffs. Yeah. Brandon's, Brandon's power rankings of guys with big contracts that he hates. Number one is Joe Johnson. Number two is Eric Bledsoe. You know what's funny? Joe, say it ain't so. I like Joe Johnson a lot now. Right? Well, oh, you do you hated him when we had our radio show. No. You were like, I hate Joe Johnson. I used to hate Joe Johnson. Uh, so... Everybody went with their LA team, so I, I gotta go. I gotta give Giannis his credit. Giannis, you're listening. You're a big listener. I know you're probably watching this, but Giannis, uh, I think Giannis, as much as LeBron's on a mission, I think Giannis is on a mission to prove himself too. 
And yes, I know this is one of LeBron's last years, probably in or around his prime. So he's going to be wanting that championship. But I think I just I love Giannis and what he brings to the table so much that I, I it's going to be close. I agree, it'll go seven games. But don't count out what guys like Chris Middleton or the Lopez brothers or even Brandon's dastardly Eric Bledsoe can occasionally bring to the floor. Chris Middleton more so is just a re- is is a great player. Dave, did you say Chris Middleton's a top ten player? Did I, did I miss something there? No, I said he's played like a top ten to fifteen player okay. this year. Okay, I was gonna say because I saw you tweet about it and I was like, he didn't just say Chris Middleton's a top ten player, right? Because this year he's like this year he's between ten and fifteen because he's shooting um, over fifty percent. From the field, over forty percent from three and over ninety percent from the line. Snap reaction: Chris Middleton's second team or third team All NBA? Third team All NBA. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think guys like him, Tatum, are going to be in the mix for those last couple of spots. Um, I don't think he gets an All NBA team though. I just don't think he has a name. If anything, he has a great name. It's Chris Middleton. Fantastic name. <laughs> K- and it's K H R I S. That's right. So it's like Chris Davis. It throws, that just throws people off, especially hey, if you're looking at it in alphabetical order too. Just knocks him down a few spots. You know, That's you just change it right now. Change it from a K to a C. You got. I, if you're listening to this, Chris Middleton, I know you're also a big. You're probably pumping this to the Bucks locker room right now, getting ready for the games. But uh, but yeah, so that's our NBA season preview. These three have the Lakers winning. I have the Bucks winning. So uh, that, that'll do it for our, uh, our preview here. Uh, Brandon, thank you so much for joining us. Where can we find you? BMAX15. BMAX15, that's where you can find him. Colin, thank you so much for coming on for your first and second episodes. Is there something you want to promote? Thank you so much. It is such a pleasure. Uh, I've had the time of my life here. I can't <laughs> wait to be back. Hopefully I'll be back, I don't know, maybe I could be back soon or something. But it's just it's so lovely. Is there something you want to promote or plug? No, nothing. Or be sarcastic about? No? Okay. Do you use your Twitter anymore or no? Nope, don't bother. All right. Don't bother finding Colin anywhere. Colin's not available anywhere to anybody. Don't bother. That's the follow. Go find him at, at BMAX15. Uh, Colin also uses uh, his burner at King James. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's his burner. Uh, he's like Brian Colangelo. He just uses like he has, he has a bunch of burners out there just to 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 yam on people. But uh, Dave, where can we find you? Uh, at David underscore Albiani. Perfect. I'm at Jacob underscore Morocco. The podcast SESL podcast on Twitter, or distributed by Anchor. You can find us on Apple and Spotify. And uh, thank you for listening to this. The NBA is back. Go Celtics.